And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, several locks on the upper Mississippi River have been closed due to high water levels. Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, says it's not unusual for water levels to rise in the spring. What is unusual is how fast the challenges on the Mississippi River went from too dry to too wet. Yeah, the pendulum really can swing pretty dramatically. And this time of the year, we're particularly vulnerable to it because you can have these late winter, early spring, significant weather events with a lot of snowfall in a particular region. And then the ground at that same time is still pretty cold. And when it does melt, doesn't soak into the ground. So the ground behaves more like a tabletop versus a sponge. So any kind of melting that occurs, it's really expedited into our streams and our rivers. If you have that same kind of precipitation, say, during the summer, you won't see that kind of dramatic increase in water levels because so much of it's being absorbed into the ground. He expects many locks to be closed until at least the second week of May. Not everyone that's between St. Paul, Minnesota, and about as far south as Hannibal, Missouri, Quincy, Illinois, that kind of region, not every single one of them is closed because each one has some idiosyncrasies to it with their specific location. But most of them are, some for a week, a week and a half, but even others are going to be two to three weeks. I envision when we're in the middle of May, we're still going to see some of these locks that are closed. Obviously, the big variable is what kind of precipitation do we receive in the days to come. While the higher levels will impact some grain shipments, the larger concern is the shipments of fertilizers heading north through the waterway. Once the upper Mississippi River opens, typically in March, you start to see a lot of fertilizer shipments northbound. So late March, throughout the course of April into May, you see a lot of that northbound fertilizer shipment. So that's something that is really key for the agricultural industry is having those barge shipments of fertilizer. For those cooperatives that haven't fully restocked, and some of them have restocked on their fertilizer needs, but for those that still need to have those deliveries, they're going to have to find alternative routes, and that's typically via railroad. Again, that's Mike Steenhook with the Soy Transportation Coalition. Well, nothing like waiting until the last minute. That is a phrase that we are all used to hearing in any walk of life. The EPA issued an emergency waiver to allow the sale of E15 during the summer driving season ahead of a perceived deadline of May 1st. Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Nag is among many bipartisan leaders in Iowa and across the Midwest who have been hot under the collar about this administration's lack of movement on this issue. This whole episode of needing emergency waivers to sell E15 during the summer, it just underscores the fact that we have got to have a national solution that puts this thing to bed. Um, it, it's unfortunate. Here we are you know, right up to the last minute. Uh, May 1 really starts the is the is the start of where it would be problematic were that waiver not in place. And so, of course, it is good news. It's what we've all been asking for. Um, but it, here we are again waiting for some sort of an emergency action to, to do this. So what we need to get to is a year-round E15 solution. This is good for everybody. I mean, it's most, most importantly good for consumers. I, I'll tell you a little fact here. Last year, Iowa... We had a 40% increase in the amount of E15 that was purchased by Iowa drivers last year. That saved Iowans over $30 million if you compare the price of E15 to E10. Now, if you imagine if you took that over uh, the national 
uh, distribution system, you'd be talking tens of billions of dollars of savings for uh, consumers. So, of course, there's also benefits to uh, farmers and communities where ethanol plants are, and it's better for the environment. So I, I sit here and say today, it's good news. It allows E15 to be available all summer, but we have got to get to a, a national solution that, that does away with this whole waiver process. Meg points out that these kinds of moves from the Biden administration do more to point out a commitment not to the environment, but a commitment to the electric vehicle industry. You know, the administration came out with this big goal that they want to move to EVs, you know, that all light vehicles by 2032 will be electric vehicles. And, and they want to unleash the, quote, creativity and the innovation of the automotive industry. Well, what about the creativity and the innovation of the biofuels industry now for the last 20, 25 years? You know, at the time, the country called on Americans to figure out energy independence. And, and, the, and the response was there. It meant more domestic energy exploration. It meant the creation of the biofuels industry. And, and now, right, we're focused seemingly on this one solution. By the way, an electric vehicle solution that requires importing batteries and rare earth minerals from all over the world. I, I, I simply ask this. When you put a battery into a car, an, an electric vehicle, or you pump gallons of biofuels or homegrown energy into a fuel tank. Who benefits? I'm going to go with the thousands of uh, farmers and Iowans and Midwesterners and Americans that benefit from every gallon of ethanol that's produced, or biodiesel, or renewable diesel. Uh, that's what I would ask folks to think about. Where, who benefits when one is used versus the other? Nag says we need to be open to all options, not just focused on one solution and one solution only that let's let's open up our options instead of trying to close down and trying to overfocus and put all of our eggs on in one basket uh look again i i i i can talk about the benefits of this all day but you and i both know when a consumer pulls up to the pump and sees the beneficial difference between e15 and e10 to their pocketbook that's one of the most important things and uh again iowans are voting with their pocketbooks 40 percent increase last year Let's unleash that. Let's get even more E15 availability in the state. Even more folks will be able to benefit. That's Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Neg. And applications are now open for the third class of the National Corn Growers Association's Women and Mentors Program on June 22nd and 23rd in St. Louis. The program helps women looking to find the next steps of their leadership journey to partner with a mentor who has traveled that path. Mentors help foster leaders of tomorrow and learn how to share the wealth of knowledge and understanding accumulated through years of service. Class members learn how to quiet their inner critic, explore what they can learn from another woman's leadership journey, and develop an action plan for their own mentorship journey. Now, each participant also gains the supportive group of peers committed to their success. NCGA officials say everyone leaves the retreat with a concrete action plan and a mentorship pairing to help each other reach their goals. The last day to apply for the program is May 19th. For more information, go to ncga.com. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. If you have ideas, stories for the program, you can send them to me via email. That's jesse allen at americanagnetwork.com, jesse allen at americanagnetwork.com, if you have your story, ideas, or more for the program. Again, we're out of time here on American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.